The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, we saw kind of a mixed bag in the market trade on Friday to wrap up the week with uh, grains and livestock both seeing some headwinds and some mixed signals. We're going to talk about all that and more here today on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us, broadcasting live, wrapping up the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. It's been a busy week here in Orlando. We're going to have some more news and sights and sounds from the convention coming up here during the program today as we are going to have a conversation coming up here. We'll be talking with Emma Mulvaney from NCBA and the BQA program. We're going to learn a little bit more about that and talk about a few of the other headlines that have come out of the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show. That's coming up here at the end of the program at segment four today. Before that, though, we're going to talk markets and market action, wrapping up the week of trade. Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing is going to join us from his home office in South Dakota, and we're going to have a conversation his thoughts on all the market action headwinds a higher u.s dollar kind of impacting things on friday there is uh, plenty to unpack no doubt as we are getting into the month of february we'll talk to Dwayne coming up here in segment two and three today also, uh, coming up here in just a second, we're going to get comments from Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. It's been a fun week, though, here in Orlando. There has been a lot to see and do and a lot of great conversations with folks throughout the cattle industry. You know, we've talked uh, here earlier this week, NCBA setting their policy priorities for 2024. And that includes, of course, getting a new farm bill done and many other things. One of the big topics from Friday morning was cattle facts forecasting continued producer profitability with herd expansion on the horizon. It's always a popular seminar held during the cattle industry convention in NCBA trade show and the smallest beef cow inventory in the last 50 years coupled with historically strong demand led to the highest average fed cattle and calf prices in 2023 according to cattle facts as reduced cattle numbers and beef production continue over the next three years leverage and profitability will continue to favor cattle producers. And that's something that's going to be watched closely. Kevin Good, Vice President of Market Analysis at Cattlefax, reported that U.S. beef cow herd declined 2% with that inventory at 28.2 million head at the beginning of this year. And he said, quote, though drought conditions did improve in many regions, over a third of the cow herd was affected by drought in 2023, causing limited heifer retention and more liquidation in some regions. And this will limit growth to the cow herd in the near term, end quote. But again, Cattlefax is calling for still continued producer profitability and herd expansion is on the horizon. That's been a big talking point here during the convention is that herd expansion could be happening somewhat soon. We'll just have to see how long, in fact, it does take. But again, a lot of great insights here this week at Cattle Convention. 
All right, as we segue back to the market trade, though, we got to get caught up on some things. We didn't have a whole lot in the way of market conversations on our last program. So let's dive in first and get some analysis from Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist at Stonex. He joined me around midday on Friday, gave us his thoughts on some of the headwinds impacting the grains, which started higher in the overnight trade heading into Friday's session. We also talk about the managed money positions and a look at livestock trade as well to wrap up the week. Here are those comments from the midday commentary with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. You said it. We were higher overnight. The momentum was positive. Uh, and then we got the jobs report that came out. And, and I looked, and as soon as that jobs report hit the wire, we saw a sharp sell-off in the grain and oil seed. So we tried to hang on to some gains there. We've got some other dynamics going in the wheat market to try to support that. Um, but that jobs report just killed any hopes of a, a rate cut by the Federal Reserve anytime soon. Uh, 353,000 jobs created last month, uh, more than doubled 170,000. That was anticipated by analysts. And then the December number was revised upward at 333,000, up from 216,000 originally reported. And November was uh, revised higher as well. And the unemployment rate stayed at 3.7%. So in other words, we've got a tight jobs market. Uh, the economy is growing and, and wage inflation was a part of it as well. Hourly earnings up six-tenths of month on month and four and a half percent year on year. Both were well above what the analysts were expecting. And this suggests that we're going to have higher interest rates for longer. That creates problems with the strong dollar trying to uh, compete on the world market. And that's why the funds are selling off the energy sector and the grain and oil seeds and creating headwinds across the board today. And I know, too, in the case of that managed money, uh, their short positions continue to be at uh, pretty lofty record levels here in this grain and oil seed trade, Arlen, aren't they? Yeah, and that's part of what was supporting the wheat market today is the funds, those short positions, not just here but in Europe as well, creating a lot of concern because right now if you look at the dynamics, we're not to the harvest yet in the northern hemisphere. The farmers largely sold, so the farmer has sold. The funds have these record and near record short positions depending on the market you're in. So if a headline would cause them to unwind and try to get out the door with those and unwind those short positions, who's going to take the other side of it? That has end users start to come in and extend some coverage because that creates upside risk for them. And it also has those fund managers nervous as well. Now, eventually the strong dollar became too much and erased those gains in the wheat market. But we're certainly seeing it play out in the spreads. And, and this is a, a concern for this wheat market. What could happen if something, you know, a, a geopolitical risk headline would cause them to try to get out the door at the same time? Arlen, over in the livestock trade, we're faring a little better there on Friday. I know that cattle inventory report, relatively friendly to neutral to the market. We had a strong day, I think, on the back of that news on Thursday. Could we see some follow-through here on Friday in cattle? 
Yeah, you mentioned the cattle inventory report being supportive, and then midday yesterday, it really started to pop as well when we got the slaughter data for the previous week, and and we saw that the week ending January 20, steer weights were down another 9 pounds. That's 19 pounds in two weeks. Heifers down 13 pounds. That's 18 pounds in two weeks, all because of that adverse weather we had in the nation's midsection uh, last month. And in the cash market, that 176 trade dollar trade in the south on Wednesday was followed up with mostly 178 and even to 179 uh, yesterday. So up about $3 on the week. And so we're seeing that strength in the cattle market and some spillover strength in the hog market as well on those dynamics. And once again, great thoughts and market analysis there from Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joined us for our midday commentary on Friday. And again, uh, markets uh, really just found some headwinds as we got into the day session on Friday. Never really recovered after we saw strength, especially in the grains in the overnight trade. Livestock trade was relatively mixed as well. Outside markets were quiet, just kind of a uh, blah type of end to the trading week on Friday. We're going to dive in more and get market analysis coming up here next. We'll be joined by Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing. He is going to share his thoughts and perspective in this market action and what producers should be thinking about. Looking forward to a conversation with Dwayne. That's coming up after the break. Back with more Market Talk live from the Cattle Industry Convention on the way right after this. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button, or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. you informed with the latest market information for your operation this is market talk now back to jesse allen well let's take a look at the markets wrapping things up on friday relatively uh, a down day some headwinds had a higher u.s dollar seemed to be one of the main culprits there but Considering where things started in the overnight session into Friday morning, we were higher. Well, beans finishing up with some double-digit losses, quarter wheat lower. Plenty to talk about here in the markets and helping us do that today as we wrap up a week of trade. Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing in South Dakota joining us here today while we uh, wrap things up here at Orlando from the Cattle Industry Convention. Dwayne, good to catch up with you again, my friend. And uh, we were chatting off air a little bit. Uh, Pretty nice weather ongoing up there in the Northern Plains, is it there, Dwayne? I, I know. Normally, when you'd be uh, video chatting me from Florida, I'd be probably pretty upset. But honestly, uh, I know we're a little tougher in the Dakotas, but it's, you know, 40s and 50s. We're walking around without jackets on, and I'm struggling to ice fish anymore, Jesse. So it's crazy <laughs> nice out. <laughs> it's shorts and T-shirt weather, right? Yeah, that's, that's what I always people, used to yeah. say. Yeah, that's what when I was in North Central Iowa growing up, I used to say, yeah, 40s in February is shorts and T-shirt weather. So kids don't need jackets or anything. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Not at all. Well, hey, buddy, great to have you on the show again. Let's uh, let's take a look at the markets and uh, to what I was mentioning there at the open. 
higher dollar. I have to think that's the main culprit in grains on Friday. I don't know these markets all week long. It's kind of been a seesaw back and forth of money flow. And most of the trend has been lower, of course. Yeah, it has, you know, to maybe back up and review what happened this week. You know, you had end of the month right in the middle there. And I, I think with the funds aggressively selling corn, soybeans, well, and they've been selling wheat too. I think there was some profit taking uh, at the end of the month, which rallied the markets. Um, and that's good to see. But boy, once we flipped the calendar the last two days, it seems like the funds really stepped back in and sold the soybean market very hard. Corn held in there pretty good until today. But you're right, probably today's action tied a little bit back to the sharply higher U.S. dollar, which is tied to the jobs report we got this morning, which was uh, sharply higher than the trade estimated, which makes, you know, the trade start to think that we're not lowering interest rates in March. You know, maybe we're not even lowering in the first half of 2024. If if the economy is doing well, we're increasing jobs, increasing what people get paid. You know, the only reason to lower interest rates is if the economy is struggling. So uh, kind of an interesting, a little bit of a flip on the whole economic side. But yeah, not good closes in the soybean market for sure today, though. Yeah, well, to your point, let's stick on the economy and the job stuff here because I think it's a big picture outlook here. It's it's really important, of course. And we've had a lot of economic data thrown at us this week, this past week, not just in the U.S., but China as well. You know, we started the week with the Evergrande news out of China and mm -hmm. worries about their the health of their economy. What could that mean for you know, how much is China importing and buying and this and that and consumption? And so, I, I don't know, it just feels like there's been a lot to unpack in terms of economic data that has in turn been an influence on grain and livestock markets this week, Dwayne. Oh, especially this time of year, right? When, you know, we're wa not watching the growing weather in Iowa or Illinois, right? It's, you watch demand, which is a weekly export sales, you know, maybe a USDA sales flash here or there. So you start to look at outside markets more and more. And you're right, the economic news out of China continues to be somewhat bearish, I guess. Uh, they're just not recovering from COVID like the rest of the economies are, it seems like. And of course, they're the economy we watch to buy our soybeans and, and even some of our meat now, they've been buying more of that. But yeah, with the US economy doing well, it seems like the cattle market has done well this week mm -hmm. and funds buying that and the cattle inventory report I'm sure we'll talk about later. But uh, yeah, outside markets, big influence uh, this week, along with different reports. You know, it seems like Brazil's crop got a little bit smaller this week from the private forecasts. Uh, but, you know, to my point, does that really matter if their soybean basis is widening out and their farmers are selling? And, and if China's not buying from us, which... I mean, we had cancellations this week from unknown buyer for U.S. soybeans. Got to assume that's China because they weren't in buying any new stuff. And But Argentina's crop size got a little bigger this week. So there, there you go. I'm kind of throwing it all in one lump sum there. It's been a heck of a week like it always is. Yeah, it, it has been a, a heck of a week. That That is no doubt. And I think about just all these bearish weights on this market. It's something that, uh, unfortunately for producers, when they look at the price, a lot of them aren't loving it. But at the same time, compared to where we were a few years ago, prices aren't that bad. But it just I, I think it heightens it heightens the risk management aspect uh, substantially, oh, yeah. I think, here at this juncture, doesn't it, Dwayne? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we talked at the end of 2023 that, you know, the year in review for me was the end of the bull market in corn. 
And I, I think everyone can kind of agree to that and see that now we're going to have higher supplies barring some sort of drought like 2012, which honestly with this weather lately, everyone's starting to talk about that again. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to panic sell, but you're right. It's in general, these prices aren't bad, but it's been so good lately for farmers that uh, it's hard for us guys to to go back to just trying to break even or make $50 an acre. But I think that's what we're looking at this year. And to your point, puts a big importance on risk management moving forward in episodes like this where we can talk about that. Well, and two, another aspect of this market is that funds continue to remain extremely short, really, in all of the grains. And I think about in terms of soybeans, you mentioned a pretty rough day in beans. And, you know, with beans settling up here, 12 sub 12 i mean does that signal another leg down we recovered here earlier in the week and got back above 12 but then ended the week on a sour note so i mean you know what does that do chart wise price action here in terms of the soybean market i mean how low could this thing end up going potentially yeah i lower uh 11.45 would be my guess that's the contract lows i I was selling early this week on the board as a producer myself we still got a lot of our soybeans sadly some on commercial storage yet uh, but don't have the basis i like so we decided to sell the board instead of sell cash but we did sell some cash as well um yeah breaking 12 made me think we're gonna go down 11.45 bounces in the middle just to prove me wrong for a day and make me look stupid now today it looks good again if you're short um yeah, very negative close. They don't like the way it closed. But yeah, 11.75 is your first support. Then 11.45 is contract lows. I'm looking for somewhere in between those two. We we have a tight supply of soybeans, Jesse. But if China's not buying any more from us than anticipated, we can get through with tight supplies. I mean, our crush is great, right? We had a crush report from uh, this week, just yesterday. It was for the month of December. New record again, you know, about 9% higher year over year. All that news is great, but if China's not going to buy those extra soybeans from us and Brazil farmers are active sellers, the downside is uh, the path of least resistance. Well, and in terms of soybeans versus corn, I know a lot of folks are already talking about that U.S. acreage battle for this spring. I mean, if soybeans start to go lower, you know, we like to plant corn. I mean, you know, what's that going to do to that ratio in terms of, you know, the the fight for acres between corn and beans? I, I, I've talked with some folks, and you can attest to this. You're a farmer yourself. I mean, I think a lot of the normal rotations are probably going to stay in place in the heart of the corn belt. It's some of those fringe acres that we could be looking at changes. But, again, if the economics aren't there to plant soybeans, people are probably going to plant corn, right, Dwayne? I- I know you're right. And I, I live in Northeast South Dakota, which to me is like the heart of fringe acre country. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of prevent plant. We we don't know what we're doing until very late in the, the growing season. It just seems like that's just kind of where we are right now. Um, and, and you're right. Earlier, I was suggesting a 4 million acre switch. And that's just because of supply and demand. I thought we could easily pull 4 million acres out of corn put it to beans because I thought demand would be good and we got tight stocks and it just made sense. These prices that you're talking about here and the way soybeans are struggling, they don't suggest that's which is going to happen. I know the rest of the trade has been talking about maybe one and a half million acre pull down off of corn. That's too many corn acres. But to your point, like up here, I've got no snow. Everyone got fall tillage work done that they wanted. 
you know, if it stays like this, you know, if, if we have an early spring, what do you think we plant extra of it, corn? It's just the way it goes, unless the prices for both crop drop hard enough that farmers are just scared, you know, maybe it's cheaper to plant soybeans. So maybe you plant soybeans thinking that it's the crop with the least amount of risk, or I can lose the least amount, but no, I, for me up here, being a farmer in this area, I can tell you the number one driver of acre shifts is the weather. And right now it does not look to be a problem, but uh, it's February 2nd too, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, once again, that is the voice of Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing joining us here today on Market Talk as we are wrapping things up from the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show in Orlando, Florida. And coming up, we're going to talk more about the markets. I want to get some more thoughts from Dwayne on the grains, including the wheat market. I want to get into cattle as well. Of course, cattle markets have looked pretty decent this week after the cattle inventory numbers especially. We're going to talk about all that and more coming up here on the other side of this timeout. We'll be back with more here on Market Talk with Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing right after this. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Stay up to date and listen to past episodes online at markettalkag.com. Now, back to Market Talk with Jesse Allen. We are talking today with Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing. He is joining us as we're wrapping things up at the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show at Orlando, Florida. Dwayne, I want to ask you about the wheat markets a little bit too here, kind of rounding out the week. Uh, I, I know in terms of wheat, at least in the U.S. side, we're going to be waiting to see some of that winter wheat crop come out of dormancy here. That's going to be a big driver in the weeks and months ahead, I think. Still got Russia out there. Uh, there's rumors that China has been uh, sniffing around some Paris milling mm-hmm. wheat, I believe. I mean, in your eyes, looking at these wheat markets as a whole, what stands out to you? What's something we need to keep an eye on here in the month of February? I just have to say the trade action this week wasn't too bad for wheat. Um you know, considering today, we already mentioned that the U.S. dollar is up 900 some points. Usually that's a staple for, oh, so wheat was down 15 cents, right? No, it was around unchanged in Chicago and, you know, not a bad week at all. We're in the middle of the trading range that we've been in. I think the story for me for wheat right now is, if there is a story, it's that the funds already sold a, a massive amount of positions and I don't know if they want to add any more to it, which is good. Um, doesn't mean the low is in and we have to go higher. I mean, I do think the low is in, but uh, you know, at least they're not aggressively selling like like the soybean market this week where it looks like they want to get add to their short positions. So I don't really have a bullish story, Jesse, to say that you know China's going to buy more wheat from us. I mean, like you said, there's been talk of it. We don't really see it. Uh, we don't have a huge amount of wheat, especially Minneapolis wheat, the spring wheat stocks. But if China doesn't step in and buy it, does it? matter that we don't have a lot of stocks here and i guess the answer is 
no, probably not. Um, mm -hmm. And then again, we were talking about, you and I talked about losing corn acres. So that means we have spring wheat available acres to gain, but it's kind of, instead of an acreage battle, it feels like we're setting up to who has to take the acres type thing here. And uh, I don't know if any of the crops really want them that bad, sadly. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a very, very good point. I would agree with you on that. I, it, I, it's going to be just interesting. And back to what I said earlier about the funds being short in these markets, you know, realistically, mm -hmm. until there is something that forces the fund money, the managed money to get out of their short positions, I feel like that's just going to be a depression on some of these prices. Right, Dwayne? Uh, you're absolutely right. You know, look at the soybean market this week. You know, we kind of had that rally at the end of the month here around some profit taking. It's almost like you flipped the calendar and they came back in and sold it hard because really the Argentina forecast didn't change that much. I mean, that's worth noting here that, you know, after perfect conditions, they were dry last week. They're dry this week. And if those rains don't come in next week, I mean, you've got a bullish story there. But look at that, how you've got that hanging out there. But yeah, we were sharply lower for the week. Um, mm -hmm. The funds just like to sell. You're right. But to your point, I mean, eventually, not over maybe the next month, because like I said, there's just not that bullish spark going on here. But when we get into spring planting, let's just say this market changes and we start getting snow and cold weather in April and May, which, dear Lord, please don't let that happen to me up here. But <laughs> if that does happen, all of a sudden we're talking about losing, you know, 10 million acres to prevent plant. Well, all of a sudden the 4 million that we could lose in corn happens easily. And the funds say, well, I don't want to be short anymore. And just, just them exiting short positions, which by then I'm anticipating to be about 350,000 short. Well, just mm -hmm. that short covering rally could be a big rally, Jesse. So I don't want to panic sell new crop here. Um, but because of all the bearish stuff you and I mentioned before in this episode, when we do get those rallies this spring and summer, whether it's Iowa drought, torrential rain prevent plant on Dwayne's farm there's that rally's meant to be sold <laughs> yeah rally's meant to be sold i think that's a great way to sum that up in the grains it's it's like to what i said earlier just having risk management making sure you have a plan in place and, and not just ostrich bury your head in the sand right absolutely the hedgers one, I guess you could say in 2023, right? And with me saying the bull cycle's over, it's it's time for the hedgers to win out again. You, you can't just plant a crop and wait till harvest and then then ask your broker what to do. It's, <laughs> that's a little too late. Then. Trust me, I, I've tried to make my wet magic wand work here, but I can't do it. <laughs> Dwayne, uh, let's go to livestock. You talked earlier about the cattle uh, inventory numbers that came out uh, yeah. midweek and down 2% fairly neutral to friendly i would say it seems like the report was fairly well received here at the cattle industry convention you know there's been a lot of talk uh, this this week here about rebuilding the herd what that's going to look like economics still look fairly good for for the cattle producer your thoughts on on the cattle markets here to round out the week and, and some of those inventory numbers and, and and what this market could potentially be looking at here in the next few weeks ahead yeah, I, I'm falling in love with the cattle market again, Jesse, to be honest with you. And I, I bet you it was a fun week to be down there. You know, um, you get through all these conventions, all the meetings during the day. You know, some of us like to go to local establishment. You know how there's those different levels of whiskey behind the bar? And yep. uh, it, with today's market, I'm guessing we went a couple shelves up and uh, this week <laughs> on the drinks of choice, I bet, down there. And that's I, I think so. I think I, so, yeah. I think they should. Okay, so... 
I'm rambling like I always do, but back to the cattle inventory report. Bullish, but Jesse was oh dead on expectations. But we rallied sharply the next day. I think the reason why is it just confirmed to the funds who are buying that buying is the right thing to do. Um, the herd is shrinking. We're not growing. I mean, we're going to be smaller than last year. And look at the prices we got to last year, right? So I think you've had a flip where at the end of 23, remember all the funds liquidating all those positions and how far we dropped. I think you got the exact opposite happened, Jesse. I think the funds are coming in, buying the heck out of feeders and live cattle. And, and why not? The supply is tight. Um, so yeah, big bullhorns here in the cattle market for me. Um, I, I think we probably try to test the highs from last year, but I hate to almost even say that out loud because, you know, I'll jinx it or something. So let's just back up and cut that out and edit that part. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, we look at a locketed floors then potentially here at some of these levels, at least uh, for the time. I mean, you know, are, what are we doing in this cattle trade? Are we getting smart and doing some hedging here? I mean, what do you think? I you know, that's just, it's hard for Bruce to hedge after a broker rambles on like I just did and talk how bullish I am, right? And I understand that. I'm the yeah. same way. But here's what I'm going to suggest. You know, we're at this 244 area, 245 area in feeders. You know, you get that anywhere close to those old highs, uh, then you got to go out back and look to lock those in. And, and if you wanted, I've had some guys already ask me about doing some risk management, locking stuff in back there. Because, you know, those back months are that 273 area right now. Um, to me, you get those at 280, which is only seven bucks away. You start looking at the LRPs, the the insurance, which I'm sure you've talked about down there. They'll put options, maybe something that still gives you upside potential for this big year that could happen. But yet, man, that's that's capital gains and profits sitting out there that is really hard not to do some risk management. We'd be it'd be just poor business not to. Definitely, definitely. How about in the hogs? Hogs felt like they kind of followed cattle here throughout the week. Mm -hmm. Any notes in the hog trade? Well, I think they got their own bullish story going here, which after a horribly boring trade for about two months uh, sitting at the lows, we finally made, made that seasonal bottom. And cash has been grinding higher rather nicely, so with cutouts. And the China story, of course, has been out there all the time about how they're cutting their herd size, right? And that just sounds bearish. They don't need that many. Well, their price has really shot up here lately this week, but that might be because we're right in front of their Lunar New Year where they were buying up supplies. So but they were even in buying some of our pork too, really good export sales there. Now the higher dollar is going to eventually curb that, but they've got their own bullish story. The hog market does. I've been impressed with the rally. I don't I don't know how much further we can go. Therefore, once again, you know, you look out to July at $98, and I kind of wonder if maybe that's a bit of a hedging opportunity. Not an expert in the hogs, but it sure is a lot better than we were two months ago. Definitely, definitely. Well, and I think about these markets, too. There's been a lot of talk about demand domestically and internationally here at the Cattle Industry Convention. I think back to what we were talking about earlier in the show with the economy, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch here throughout these uh, throughout the entire protein sector in this year ahead, I think, Dwayne, and how that affects the market action. I, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, at one point in this video, we talked about, you know, the the probably lower economy outlook for our Dow because interest rates aren't going to get cut. Right. And, and now I see we are recovering nicely in the Dow here, but you know, if our economy would struggle, these high price meat prices will struggle too. So as bullish as I am, let, let's be smart about it and protect these prices. There's nothing wrong with a put option, right? You, you spend mm -hmm. that money and you hope it's a waste of money. So you can be bullish, but still be smart.
Definitely. All right, Dwayne, final thoughts from you. Anything you want to mention or reiterate to folks as they try to navigate uh, the dynamics in this market trade right now? What would you say to folks? I really like what you said, Jesse, that, you know, risk management is going to be key when you're not in a bullish market. You know, those bullish markets feel like you can do nothing and win. That's not the case anymore in the grain. So have that plan in place. And even though I'm bullish cattle and feeders, um, after rallies a little bit more here, you know, watch us and our advice to get some LRP, some insurance on it and, and go from there. That's a good summary. And um, stay away from that bottom shelf if you can. Stay on that top shelf. As long as <laughs> <laughs> I, I like where your head's at, Dwayne. Oh, man. Uh, if folks want to reach out to you, get some advice, get some thoughts. I know they can reach you very easily. How can they get hold of you, Dwayne? Yeah, uh, 605-448-2365 is our office number, and they can check us out online at boltmarketingllc.com. Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing. Always good to chat with you, my friend. Thanks for joining us on Market Talk here this week. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jesse. Good stuff there once again with Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing today on the show. Let's take a look at some of the closing numbers from Friday. March corn was down four and a half, 442 at three quarters. New crop December corn down two and a quarter, 476 at three quarters. March beans 14 to three quarters lower, 1188 and a half. New crop November beans down 14 and a half at 1171. Chicago, or excuse me, soybean meal for March down 490 a ton, 356.80. March bean oil down 87 points, 44.73. Chicago wheat for March, one and three quarters lower, 599 and three quarters. March Kansas City wheat, four and a quarter higher at 625. Spring wheat March up three and three quarters, 699 and three quarters. Live cattle February 80 higher, 180.55. March feeders down seven, 244.80. February hogs down 35, 75.45. We'll be back to wrap things up here on Mark. Talk from the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show in Orlando, Florida, on the way right after the break. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk as we are wrapping things up here from the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show in Orlando, Florida. It's been a fun week here. It's always a good time at CattleCon, uh, talking with folks throughout the industry, checking out the NCBA Trade Show, of course, and uh, seeing all the the great new products that are available for uh, ranchers and for folks in feedlot country and more. It, it, it's just, uh, it, it's always a fun event. I'm always amazed at just at the amount of knowledge and the amount of uh, great people who attend conventions like this one. And it's been a lot of fun this week. I want to share a few more things uh, that we talked about here at convention this week, including a conversation with Emma Mulvaney. Uh, she is uh, with NCBA and with their Beef Quality Assurance Program, the BQA program. We get some updates from her in an interview I had the other day here at the Cattle Industry Convention. Here is my conversation with Emma Mulvaney from the NCBA talking BQA. 
And joining us now here on the program from the Cattle Industry Convention in Orlando, Florida, we are talking with Emma Mulvaney, Associate Director of BQA Programs with NCBA. Emma, it's good to see you. Thanks for joining me here today. Hope you're doing well. Good to see you too, Jesse. It's nice to be in sunny Florida. It is always uh, always good to have an excuse to come down to uh, Florida in the middle of January. That right? is exactly right. Denver's been a little cold, so it's <laughs> nice to be in the southeast. Definitely. I could agree more. Uh, let's talk about a few of the uh, cool things you guys have going going on BQA program wise uh, you guys have a Spanish BQA project going on uh, fill me in on what exactly you guys have happening here yeah as as we all know as producers know there's a lot of Spanish speaking individuals who work and own cattle in our beef cattle community in the US and they are such a vital role they play such a vital role in producing the food that we eat as Americans and and share with the rest of the world and so what we want to do with the BQA program is to make sure we meet those cattle owners and employees where they're at um, and if their native language is Spanish then we want to provide the BQA resources that they need to become certified in that language so we are not only translating everything in our vault of educational resources to Spanish, but we're also looking at what resources do we not have currently that we need to have. Um, so we have assembled a working group. Remember, BQA is producer-led, producer-driven for producers of bilingual subject matter experts. Some of those are producers from every single sector of the industry to really pinpoint and prioritize what is it that we need to create and get started translating. I have to think projects like this, it, it all kind of goes into the continuing education that you guys are doing uh, with the BQA programs and more, doesn't it? Yes, there's a lot of continuing education uh, that, that happens for ranchers. And actually that's a brand new priority for us. BQA has been around for about 30 years and we have some producers who have done BQA every three years for 30 years mm -hmm. and they are looking for something new to take back to their operation. The BQA manual is full of information and what we've done with continuing education is to allow producers to become recertified by obtaining um, up to three credits and then at the end of that three years they will be recertified similar to pesticide applicator license where you obtain credits and then become recertified at the end of that period. So we have a course library. You can um, look at this online in your account. We also want to let you know you can get recertified through continuing education in person. You need three credits to become recertified. And we have topics such as biosecurity, principles of stockmanship, herd health management, BQA transportation. And some of those courses are two course credits, some are one course credits, but they're really just a deeper dive into the BQA manual and letting you hone in on um, a certain aspect of your operation. And I'll let you in a little secret, Jesse. Facilities mm -hmm. design and planning is brand new and will be done by the end of this fiscal year. Okay. All right. So always adding exciting things and, and trying to grow the BQA program. And like you mentioned, you know, a lot of ranchers have taken part in this, always looking for more to join. I wonder, though, too, on the consumer side, maybe someone's listening here and they're hearing the term BQA and they're wondering, you know, what on earth are we talking about? How are you guys kind of, how are you guys leveraging BQA over to consumers? Could you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, if there's any consumers listening, BQA, Beef Quality Assurance, really assures the quality of the beef that you're eating. And you can be confident in that. Uh, by be, uh, being a producer and becoming BQA certified, you are then able to hold what I call a social license to practice business. Uh, okay. Doctors, lawyers, teachers, you know, they have to get um, certified or licensed to do, to do business legally. And we sell our product, um, our wholesome quality product to consumers. And without those consumers, we don't have a place to sell that product. And so what we've done with BQA to share our story and to share how those cattle are raised is craft a series of videos, what we call the Raised and Grown campaign. It takes a, f a family, it takes a community, and it takes an industry. And we've taken the stories of producers all across America, packaged them up into nice 30-second videos, and put them on YouTube to share with consumers. Um, we've seen a lot of amazing view rates, so consumers are watching these videos from start to finish, and they're not skipping them like they can most YouTube ads. They are choosing to understand more about where do cattle live, what do they eat, where do they sleep, um, and the families behind who are, who are raising those animals um, mm -hmm. that then becomes a part of their family's dinner. Fantastic. So if folks want to maybe check out those uh, videos or they want to learn more about BQA, whether they're a rancher, consumer, etc., where can they get more information, Emma? If you are a consumer and you're very interested, I would go to beefiswhatsfordinner.org and I would look at uh, the Raised and Grown campaign that we have on that website and you will be able to hover over an interactive map. So let's say you're from Idaho, you can see a ranch story and, and, and learn about them in a video exactly from your home state. If producers are interested, please go to BQA.org and get BQA certified today. Fantastic. Associate Director of BQA Programs, Emma Mulvaney, thanks for joining us here at Cattle Industry Convention. Always good to talk with you and we'll uh, chat with you again soon. Thanks, Jesse. And once again, a real good conversation there with Emma Mulvaney from the NCBA uh, here at the Cattle Industry Convention in Orlando. As we're wrapping things up, as I mentioned earlier, Awesome conversations, great camaraderie. It's always fun to uh, get a chance to go to a convention and talk with folks, uh, from my perspective anyway, and just hear about some of the challenges, the things that uh, folks are facing and dealing with, some of their wins and more out uh, on on the farm in the countryside. It's really a, a lot of fun, that is for sure. Well, we are out of time here on Market Talk. Thanks to Dwayne Bussey for joining us and Arlen Suderman as well. Coming up on our next program, I'm going to be at the agmarket.net conference in Nashville, Tennessee. We're talking with some of the folks who are going to be there. It's going to be a heavy market program the next uh, couple of episodes here on Market Talk. So looking forward to that and much more. Have a great rest of your day. I'm your host, Jesse. Allen. Thanks for listening to Market Talk.